Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. I want you to understand something, that the whole concept of the resurrection of Christ is everything that we are, everything that we believe hinges on that reality because we worship him because well, many reasons, but we worship him because he conquered death. He conquered hell, he conquered the grave. He conquered the things that the majority of humanity fears the most. And so because he lives, we can find life. Because he resurrected, we know that what we see in this life is not the end, but it's just the beginning. And so we celebrate that today. God is good, amen? Amen, well go ahead and grab your seats. Hey, can you thank our worship team? They work really hard. They do a fantastic job. I love it. We're going to have a fantastic day today. Hopefully you came uh, hungry for something uh, from God today. And, uh, and, and again, every single week we know, because the type of church that we are, we know that every week there's people here that you're not, you're not sure about this, this Jesus thing, you're not sure about this church thing. And, uh, and I just want to continue to reassure you that this is a safe place. This isn't a place where you have to have everything put together uh, before you show up. You don't have to come and put on a face and fake it. You can just come and be here because we know that God is so faithful that he's going to take who you are. He's going to take what you're going through. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to bring love. He's going to bring grace into your life. He wants to reveal himself to you. And I know we live in a world where for some reason, uh, this picture of who God is gets painted as, as just this angry, judgmental, Louisville slugger-wielding God, you know. And he's just waiting to crack you over the head every time you make a mistake or zap you with a lightning bolt because you said the wrong thing. I just want you to know that that's not how God is. And he loves you so much. And he, 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 he worked things out for you to be here today so that hopefully you'd be able to receive that very love and grace that we're talking about. So we're going to go into the Bible. We're going to open up our Bibles this morning. The reason that we do that is because I'm not up here to give a TED Talk. I'm not up here to give a speech. We're up here to have an interactive uh, moment where we open up the Word of God. And we hear what God wants to speak to us. And, uh, and, and hopefully by faith we open up our ears and our heart uh, to receive what God's trying to communicate this morning. So if you will, we're going to uh, go back into the Old Testament. Uh, if you've been here for the last few weeks or so, we've been doing a series called Uncensored Holy Spirit. And I feel like it's going well. I'm just, you know, it's kind of funny as a preacher, sometimes you look at a series as a dating relationship. And you kind of, as you get into it, you wonder if it's going well or not. Anyway, I don't know. He can't relate to that. That's a bad analogy. All right, let's go to, if you will, go with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. And uh, back in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles comes after 1 Chronicles. Okay, if that helps, if that helps anybody. Okay, that's another joke that bombed. Okay, keep going. Anyway, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, we're starting something today. Uh, for, the next, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this thing called Heart for the House. Uh, it's going to culminate on November the 17th. Where, uh, where those that consider Convo Church to be your house, your home where God has placed you, we're going to be coming on that day to bring uh, what is kind of the, the first annual of many years to come, kind of a, a miracle offering, believing for God to do through our church, in our house, in our region, and in our world what maybe we couldn't do on our own. Actually, I know we couldn't do on our own. 
And so instead of just saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to take up an offering, we're going to have a, can- a fundraiser campaign, I hate those things, we're taking 21 days as a church to pray and to fast, not into just that moment, but to pray and fast into what God is doing in our house, what God is doing in our city, what God is going to use us to do even outside the walls of what we even know around our region and even around our world. And so if, you are, if you're new here with us today, this, this is not irrelevant to you. It's going to speak into your life. Everything that we do on a Sunday is meant to inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you no matter who you are and no matter where you're coming from. So uh, I'm, I'm here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can also, if you want to, pull it up on your YouVersion Bible app that everybody needs to download. It's free. Everybody should have it. And, uh, and if all that fails, we'll have it up on the screen behind me too. I think we've thought of most everything here. Uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 12. And uh, for some of you, this will be a, a verse that when it comes to prayer, you've heard this before. If you're hearing this for the first time, I want you to lean in and soak it up. This is something, this, these are very powerful words that written thousands and thousands of years ago have 100% relevancy to our lives today. Amen. Starting in verse 12, uh, it says, actually the quote here says, uh, uh, the one night, uh, then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and he said, I have heard your prayer. How many know that's a good conversation to have with God? That starts off well. That's good. I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. Verse 13, uh, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. You're like, why would you do that? Well, we're about to find out. And in verse 14, he goes, then if my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Somebody say, humble themselves. themselves. Say, and pray. And And seek my face. You're doing good. And turn from their wicked ways. That's the last one I'm going to have you repeat, just so you don't know. Do I say that? What he just said? He goes, I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Then it says in verse 16, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will, uh, will be honored forever. I will always watch over it for it is dear to my heart. Notice something here. Um, God's response to a humble, repentant, praying Jesus follower that is seeking after the heart of God is that God will hear, God will forgive, and God will restore. And so as we, we'll talk about it more towards the end of this message, as we go into this time of, of uh, prayer and fasting as a church, and, and if that's new to you and you're like, oh, is that, is that mandatory? Are they going to be texting me every day asking me if I'm participating? No, we don't, we don't do it that way. We want it to be something that you desire to participate in, and, and I'll give you some more tips here in a second. But uh, as we go into it, I want us to realize that that every single one of us is on the exact same playing field when it comes to the fact that, number one, we're imperfect people. Can I get an amen? Amen. Holding a microphone does not make you a perfect person. Sitting in a different seat or standing does not make you a perfect or an imperfect person. Being a person makes you an imperfect person. And so that means that every single one of us is in the exact same place, regardless of our youth or regardless of our age, in need of God in our life. And so every day... 
sometimes a little bit, sometimes more than we want to admit, we're going to fall short of the standard that God has for us in our life, which means that every day we have opportunities to present ourselves back to God and repent for a day, repent for a moment, repent for a thought. We don't have to be told what it is because we already know what it is. You're like, man, repent. That sounds like one of those religious words. It's, it's been made ugly, but it's such a beautiful word. The word repent literally means you're headed in this direction, you're about to walk off a cliff, and the grace of God appears to you, changes your direction, and you begin to follow God. That's repenting. It's not like the big poster boards that the guys hold on the side and they yell at people as they walk by, tell them to turn or burn, you know, all that. That's a beautiful tactic. I've never seen it work, though. And we don't use those tactics at Convo Church. Anyway, uh, but we, we just, I want us to know this morning as we get into this that that God, you always wonder, well, God, hear my prayer. Do I have to be a good person for God to hear my prayer? Do I have to be a perfect person for God to hear my prayer? The reality is I believe that God hears everybody's prayers, but not everybody's prayers are effective because not everybody is praying in partnership with the will of God. You're like, well, that sounds like a lot of pressure. I want to pray the will of God. And it's a lot easier than you may think it is because I, I can tell you for myself and my wife as well, we've struggled over the years in different decision-making moments kind of freaking out, like, what if we're doing something that's not the will of God? And somebody told us one time, well, do you love God? And we think, yes, yes, I do. Okay, good, check. Is, is your, your decision-making process, is, is your heart after God in this decision? Yes. Do you want to honor God with your decision? Yes, I do. Do you have peace in your heart? I think I do. Okay, then God wants to applaud you as you walk forward in faith. Don't get caught up in the fear of missing the will of God because that's not how God operates. God's not sitting back going, uh, no, to the, to the right, two inches to the right. It's like me putting a, a painting up on the wall for my wife, two inches to the left, two inches to, it's, it's the exact same, it's crooked, no, it's straight. Husband's out here, can I get a hallelujah from you right there, you know what that's like, anyway. But we treat the will of God like that sometimes, like is it, is it over here, is, is it over here? And, and God says, you know, why don't you just step out in faith, and as you go, I'll, I'll lead you as you go. It's a light. How many of y'all ever play bumper, bumper bowling? Well, you know, it's cheating. It's cheating. Where they put the things up so you can't get a gutter ball. And you take your kids, and, you, you know, you bowl, and you get like a 90. You take your kids, they get like a 200. The kids are like, I'm a professional bowler. It's like, you had no gutter. There's, there's no way that you could have failed. And I really feel like that's how it is to be in the will of God. If your heart is after God, if you're hungering and thirsting for more of God, will you make a mistake? Yeah, but God's got these beautiful things on the side to just kind of bump you back in line, bump you back in line. And if you can be okay with that, you're going to see God do awesome stuff in and through your life. That was free. That wasn't on here. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So, all right. Let's, let's go back in time, if you will, to school. I really feel like most everybody in here has these moments, even back in grade school, where you can remember... The, the creative arts class where it was time to play with clay. Anybody remember that? And it was messy for some kids because they didn't, you know, you got the kids, I don't want to, the kids that always had wet wipes and sanitizer, uh, or even before there was that, you always had to go to the bathroom and wash your hands. And, uh, but inevitably, no matter what you attempted to make, it always came out looking like an ashtray. <laughs> but you made something. You were able to, you know, present it to your parent or somebody, and you're like, here, and they're like, well, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this lovely ashtray, and uh, or or there was the uh, you know the woodworking thing where you got to make the birdhouse, right? You had, you had they gave you like basically six pieces of wood. All you had to do was put them where they're supposed to go. Put in a couple of nails, and boom, you got a birdhouse. 
And sometimes we, we look at building like, oh, yeah, it's just simple. It's just to put something together. You just take the pieces and make it happen. And uh, so for me, I, I, I have, th that, those were the years of my most success when it came to being handy with building things. It, everything was downhill after that, and I'm grateful for other experts that God has placed in my life over the years. Uh, but building, when it comes to something that is going to be substantial, when it comes to something that is going to stand the test of time, something that is going to be strong, something that is going to make an impact, uh, it, it doesn't just come together with a couple of pieces. You put it all together, a couple of nails, and you're good to go. You don't just you know, put clay together, shove in the oven, whatever comes out, you're like, hey, look what I made. It takes some time and it takes effort. I was actually talking uh, with a friend of mine uh, yesterday. I was texting him. I was asking him questions kind of about the building process. Keith, one of our leaders, and uh, he works in construction. I'm like, hey, when you're building, like when your company builds a house, um, how many contractors does it take and how many inspectors does it take to do like one house? And he's like, oh, it, at least 20 to 25 contractors and probably anywhere from 12 to 15 inspectors. He's like, and that's not even counting uh, when they have to, you know, get, somebody has to get hold of the property. Somebody has to get permission to, to have the land. And then after that, they have to bring in people that are going to clear the land. And then they have to clear the land because they have to make sure that the land itself where they're going to build is strong, that it's going to be flat, it's going to be level, and that even when they uh, do testing, this, make sure the soil is correct so that when they put a foundation on it, it's not going to, you know, sink or it's not going to crack the foundation. They're like, it's a lot to go into building one house. I'm like, that's incredible. And I began to think that when you, when you kind of look at the kingdom of God and it, when you look at being a Jesus follower, it's, it's kind of similar to that process. Yes, is it as easy as saying, I, I believe who Jesus is. I put my faith in him. I'm gonna give him my life, forgive me of my sins. Is it that simple? I was like, yeah, it's that simple to start. It's that simple to be forgiven of your past. It's that simple to invite Jesus into your life. But I always tell people, we tell people every week at Convo Church, when you give your life to Jesus, that's not the finish line. That is the starting point. There is something in your life that God desires to build inside of you. There, there is a, a building, if you will, a temple, if you will. You know, you get into the New Testament, and, and we are referred to as the temple of God, you and me. Our body is a temple, right? And uh, so in the Old Testament, there's this foreshadowing, if you will, when they are in Chronicles, they are building a tabernacle, a temple to the Lord that would house the Ark of the Covenant. We've all seen Indiana Jones, so we know what that is. That is literally the representation of the presence of God. See, the beauty is now we live in a time because of what Jesus did where we don't have to have the ark. We don't have to have a temple where the only place that the presence of God resides. Jesus removed the barrier so that you and I can come boldly before God without any limitation or hesitation. We don't have to be perfect and then come to God. He takes us as we are. But when he takes us as we are, God begin, begins a building project inside of us and begins to transform us from the inside out. I know a lot of times we, we like to transform from the outside in, right? Uh, whether it's dieting, whether it's Instagramming, whether, whatever, whether it's just coming to church and, and you, you pulled into the parking lot, you looked in the mirror, you're like, all right, fix my face. I'm happy, I'm blessed, I'm favored. I have no problems in my life, everything's perfect. My marriage is great, my kids are perfect. Okay, let's go to church, woo, and we go. You come in, you get in the car after church, you're like, man, I'm exhausted, oh my gosh. No, you just, it's because of what Jesus did, you get to, if it's garbage, bring it with you. Our prayer, though, is that when you bring it with you, when you leave, it stays here. 
We'll sweep it up later. We'll take care of that. God wants to build something strong in your life. So I don't know if you get this analogy where I'm going with the building and the preparation. Basically what I'm saying is that there is a process that God desires to take you through so that you can lean in and learn to become dependent on God. I know in America we like to be independent. I know in the West we like to think, well, we're pioneers. We, we pretty much made this place happen. That's why we're here. But the reality is, is that in the kingdom of God, God never wants you to get to a place where you don't have to depend and rely on him. Now, there may be things early in your relationship with God that later in your relationship with God are things that you, you do have more strength in. Maybe struggles that used to tear you down no longer tear you down because you have strength in that area. But the cool thing is, is that just like the Bible says, uh, from uh, grace to grace, glory to glory, God's always taking you to another level. And so if you're always allowing God to take you to another level, that means there's always going to be seasons in your life where you have to rely on God for that next level. We can't be like, well, I got it figured out. I'm good. Cruise control and I can coast now. That's when a relationship turns into a religion. When we begin to coast, when we begin to get comfortable, when we begin to say, no, this is the seat where I sit. Nobody can sit here. This is my seat. I sit here every single week. What you doing? No, God wants to take you to new levels, new places, new experiences in him that are always going to make you rely on God through those moments. But we must prepare ourselves just like you have to prepare a property. <clears throat> How do you do all this? It all starts with prayer. And that's what we're talking about today. Heart for the house this week, we're talking about it starts on our knees. It starts on our knees. <clears throat> Listen, supernatural transformation always starts and sustains through prayer. Notice I didn't say ends in prayer because it should never end. God is always trying to transform something in us, transform something through us, listen, there are no shortcuts to revival. There are no shortcuts to supernatural change and transformation in our lives. There's no shortcuts to breaking addiction. There's no shortcuts to having a strong marriage. There's no shortcuts to raising kids that are going to honor and love God and go further in their life than you have. There's no shortcuts. But we live in a microwave society. We live in a microwave culture where we want to, we don't even want to press 30 and start. We just want a button that we can press once and it'll go to 30 seconds. You ever notice that, you know, on the microwave? And if you get a new one and you're not sure if it's the same thing, you press it and it's a minute and you're like, oh no. You know, so you have to, anyway. We live in that microwave culture that's always trying to speed up everything. And sometimes that's wonderful. Sometimes it's very convenient. Sometimes it's great. But sometimes it gets into our mind and it gets into our heart. And the things that we should embrace the process for, we try to find the shortcuts to get to the same outcome. God's trying to kind of retrain us and pull us back to realize that processes aren't bad. Sometimes things taking a little while aren't that bad. There's absolutely nothing wrong with online dating. It can be beautiful. I've heard so many amazing testimonies. But even in that, sometimes we're impatient with the season that we're in, so we try to force things to happen faster than they're supposed to. You know, the problem is, same thing with the construction, things that get built too fast, eventually the cracks will start to show up. Eventually, the, all of a sudden, the sheetrock begins to crack in that wall. You're like, well, this house is pretty new. Why is that happening? Or all of a sudden, the plumbing isn't working right. Or all of a sudden, there's a crack in your foundation. And, and begin to wonder why. It's like, oh, because they were able to do it start to finish in about 30 days. And you're like, wow, that well, was pretty fast. That's a great company. And so you get into the house and you realize that there were, there were steps that were skipped. 
There were, there were shortcuts that were taken. There were quality checks that were, that were kind of walked around. There were inspections where handshakes, hand, handshakes happen and, and they kind of look the other way, you know, and all of a sudden you begin to live in the reality of, of something that is lesser of quality and begins to fall apart. God wants to build something in you. There are so many people that are struggling in their life and maybe even struggling in their relationship with God, not because God took shortcuts with you, but because we've tried to take shortcuts around God. And that has nothing to do with this reality that some, that some people live in where following Jesus is all about the rules and the regulations and the checklist of what you do and what you don't do and this is what you can say and what you can't say and that's, that's what defines me as a Jesus follower is what I can't do. You're like, yeah, but doesn't the Bible have rules? Absolutely, but the Bible was never put together and the kingdom of God was never put together this way and the relationship that God desires to have with you was never supposed to be about the rules and the regulations. The lifestyle that the Bible talks about was supposed to be the outcome and the fruit of the relationship you have with God. I don't, I don't not try to say bad words because it'll separate me from God. I love God and I wanna honor him with my speech so I'll watch what I say. I don't choose to not look at pornography because it will make me go to hell. I know that that's not what God wants for me and it won't honor him, so that becomes a rule in my life that I stay away from. I wanna treat my wife with respect and I wanna say the right things with her because I want our marriage to last longer and sometimes there's benefits to that. But if I say the wrong things and I treat her the wrong way, all of a sudden that's gonna bring distance in our relationship. So I don't wanna treat my wife well because it's a rule, I wanna treat her well because I have a relationship. So sometimes, listen, listen, there are people who have gone so far away from the standards of Scripture because they say it's not about the rules and they're 100% right. But the reality is God wants that relationship and in the relationship God desires you to honor him. Because when you honor God and you seek after God and not after what God can do and not after the blessings and not chasing after the miracles and not chasing after the feelings, when it becomes about a sincere pursuit of intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father, then God will begin to do things in your life and trust you with things that before it seemed to fall short. It's a beautiful thing. That's the power and the beauty of grace, is that God's not looking at you every single day and determining whether he will love you every day based on what you've did, said, or haven't done. You wake up every single day in the grace and the love and the favor of God. Absolutely every single day. So, uh, so here's the thing. We look at spiritual tran transformation. Maybe you can think, well, that's just a Christian thing. That's just a religious thing, people trying to be better. But the reality is we live in a region where people are so hungry for the supernatural. That was one of the things that I, I actually researched before we moved here to start this church. Because we wanted to be somewhere that was spiritually hungry. We didn't want to go somewhere where, you know, everyone already thinks they know everything about the Bible. There's churches everywhere. Uh, Reno is still considered one of the most unchurched cities in our country per capita. And if you've come from a church world, maybe you're like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that. But that's because you've been in the church world. That's all you've seen. But if we begin to get out of that, get outside the walls, and we begin to get into the community where we live, we begin to see that people are lost, broken, hurting, and they're hungry. Check this out. On any given day, 23% of people are checking out psychics, they're going to tarot card readings, and, but only 14% people are opening the Bible. People are hungry. People are searching. Now, we want to split hairs over whether Kanye is fully saved or not. Huh. 
<laughs> Honestly, I was wondering in myself if I would say something about that today or not. I'm telling you, man, that album is fire. You need to listen to it. Kanye's spitting more scripture in this album than most Christians have read in the last year. While some people are getting up with their microphone to talk about how women should go home, he got up and talked about Jesus, and he's pointing more people to Jesus than many preachers in our nation are right now. I love it. We're like, well, we'll just wait and see. It's good. He talks about Jesus, but let's just wait and see. What are we waiting and seeing for? Let me tell you something. If we have people in church today that raise their hand, which we will, and say, I want to give my life to Jesus, we're not going to sit back and be like, well, we'll just see how this turns out. No, we're going to push each other over and be excited and get excited and get pumped up because someone who came in who was dead just walked into life. That's not in here either. What was I saying? People are hungry for a supernatural transformation. And people are going to extreme lengths to find it. And I'm telling you, we're gonna, as the church, we're going to have to give an account to God for holding back the very thing that people needed. But we have to be, come on. Let me get in the position here. Let me assume the position. No. So why fasting? Talking about spiritual transformation. It's like, can't we do that without fasting? I'm going to fast gummy bears. I'm feeling it. That's what it's going to be. Gummy bears and peanut butter M&Ms. That's going to be my annual fast. No. Check this out. Can you, everyone has one of these in their seat. Can you, if you're sitting on it or put it down, can you grab one of these? This is for everybody. Listen, again, if, you are, if you're new here today, um, you're like, no, this isn't for me. We still want to invite you into this because here's the thing. I've met people that they've, give, they've come to know God when they didn't before by participating in a process like this. By saying, you know what, I don't know if I understand this all the way. I don't know if I believe all this stuff yet. But you know what, I'm going to try this out and I'm going to see if God is real and I'm going to see if God does something. And I want to promise you that he will because he's so faithful. This is for you. Uh, you know, we, it would be great if we don't, you know, don't, don't just leave it in your seat. This is for every single one of you. And, uh, and this is something to take home. Put, it, put on your mirror, put on the fridge, whatever, whatever that spot is where you put stuff up in your house. Everybody's got one of them. Just don't put it in that drawer. You know what I'm talking about, the stuff drawer. Everyone's got a stuff drawer. Don't put it in the drawer. Put this where you can see. And on here, we, we talk about why fasting. We talk about different types of fast. There's, you know, uh, there was one guy I met one time that he was brand new to, to Christ. His church went into a time of prayer and fasting. And, and, uh, and he, he was zealous. He was hardcore. He was ready for it. And he called his pastor about four days into it. He's like, I'm doing everything right. I haven't, I haven't added anything. I haven't drank anything. I haven't slept. He goes, I'm doing the fast right, but I'm really struggling at work. And I'm sorry, I laughed because he kind of took it. He's like, no, man, you need some sleep. Drink some water. You, you, need, you need that. But he went into it with, with, a, with a zealous heart. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And honestly, I think sometimes it's easier for people that aren't used to the church world to step in with faith to do something like this than people who have been in there like, yeah, I've done the fast before. Back in the day, I remember when I did that fast. Well, let's, let's, let's uh, wipe off the cobwebs, wipe off the dust, and let's, let's breathe some life into this thing. On the, on the back of this card, there are specific prayer points that will help you. Because I know not everybody knows how to pray or has prayed before. Or isn't that for like spiritual, like, isn't that for like the priest to do? Or, or you know, no, it's prayer is you talking to God. Just like you have friends, just like you have people that you talk to. You don't have to start speaking in some weird King James English. Thou Godest, how artest thou? Est. You know, it's just, it's weird. 
And God's like, what are you doing? How do you speak normal? Just talk to me. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your life. Tell me what you're struggling with. And then those moments where you just kind of silence yourself, put the phone away, you turn off the TV, turn off the radio, driving in the car, and you just, you're just silent and let God speak to you. Maybe it'll be something that you kind of hear in your mind. Maybe it'll just be something that you hear in your heart. Maybe it'll just be a sense of peace that God is there with you. But we've given you tools. We've given you things to pray for specific days. And we've given you things that we would encourage you to pray every single day. Listen, we're telling you, it all starts on our knees, guys. There's no shortcuts. We, the, the breakthroughs, the transformation that you are dreaming about, that you need in your life, the things that you're hoping for, whether it's relationships, whether it's a job, whether it's children, whether it's dreams that God's put in you that you don't even know if it's possible or not, it all starts with prayer. Fasting is something that we do that it literally creates a discipline where we are removing things that we feel it when we remove it, but we're not just not doing something, we're replacing it with prayer. Check this out. In, fasting in the Bible. I'm going to power through this. In Judges, the book of Judges in the Bible, Israel fasted and prayed when their nation was divided against each other and saw results. In 2 Samuel, King David fasted and prayed for a child that was dying. In 1 Kings, they fasted and prayed and repented to the Lord and God heard them. In 2 Chronicles, King Jehoshaphat called the nation to fast and pray when facing an overwhelming enemy to their nation and God gave them victory. In Ezra, they prayed and fasted when they needed protection and wisdom. In Nehemiah, they fasted and prayed when God's city was destroyed and they faced opposition, rebuilding God's city and rebuilding God's house. In Esther, they fasted and prayed when facing genocide and God heard and answered their prayer and delivered them. In Isaiah, they fasted and prayed and turned to the Lord as a nation. In Daniel, they fasted and prayed and God set the Hebrew slaves apart as more superior than the others in the Babylonian culture. In Joel, a whole nation, they were called to fast and pray and it led to repentance that created revival in their nation and saved them from destruction. In Jonah, this is a good one. A godless nation listened to the prophet of the Lord, responded in prayer and fasting, resulting in the revival of an entire nation. In Matthew, Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. See, we're only doing 21. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days before he stepped out into his earthly ministry, which would bring salvation to the entire world, start the church, and send the Holy Spirit. And in Acts, they fasted and prayed to set apart leaders, to send out ministries and missionaries, to establish churches, to see miracles happen, to see the captives set free. Listen, fasting unifies people around a cause. Fasting is not for the super spiritual, it's for the super desperate. And that's what I wanna be. I wanna be desperate for God more and more because I know I haven't even begun to scratch the surface in my own life of a revelation of who God is. It's just the beginning, but I wanna go deeper. I want our church to go deeper. So on that prayer card on the back, there's a couple of those things that are for daily prayer, and this is where we'll wrap this up. Listen, as we pray, we will humble ourselves, asking God to forgive our sins and the sins of our nation. Ask God to reveal things to you that you need to ask for repentance for. And you know what, some of us will come to realize that a lot of it isn't necessarily repentance towards God. There's people that we need to ask for forgiveness. And you know what else? There's people that you need to forgive. Revival and transformation all throughout history has always been accompanied by forgiveness and repentance. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus goes as far as to say that if we don't forgive others, then God won't be able to forgive us. But we gotta humble ourselves. Two, we're gonna seek God. We're not gonna seek his blessing. We're not gonna seek his miracles. We're not gonna seek his favor. We're not gonna seek what God can do for us. We just want God. And the beauty within that relationship is that as we seek the Father, the loving, gracious Father wants to pour out all those other things. Matthew 6, lays it out. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the face of God. And watch him take care of every other detail of your life. Number three, we want to declare his kingdom come. This means that we will pray for the completion of the Great Commission and for revival in our generation. We want to continue to do the work that Jesus started. That's why the church exists. Number four, we want to hear from heaven, inviting the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, into every part of our lives and our church. And this is going to be the fruit, souls saved, signs, wonders, miracles, transformed lives. And then lastly, we, all of us, we want to take our next steps, praying for all people in their journey of faith. That's us and that's the people that we love, the people that we know, the people that we work with. We want them to find, to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and ultimately to make a difference. A couple of questions here. Well, what if I don't, what if I don't uh, know God or believe yet? Can I still fast and pray? Yes. I believe that as you do this and you seek after even what you don't know fully that you're seeking after, God's still going to reveal himself to you. What if, what if while I'm fasting, I, uh, I mess up a day? What if I'm not supposed to eat something and there it is and I eat it? It's okay. That's a real question, by the way, because I've done that. Did I ruin it? Is God not going to hear my prayers now? Is, is the, did I blow the fast? No. Because, again, this is God of grace. So just digest what you ate or put your phone back down or whatever it is. Get back up and just go for it again. Always encourage people. Tell people that you have relationship with that are here that are a part of this. Tell them what you're doing and ask them to hold you accountable. Check in every other day. Hey, how's it going? How's it going? How's that pizza? Oh, you better not have none. Okay. <laughs> you know, just, it's, it's good. It's good. Accountability is good. Are there any, here, here's, this is more practical. Are there any books I can read about fasting if anybody's looking for that? Yeah. We're, well, this isn't a book, but please, this is a, a solid resource. It's simple. But also, I would say probably the best one you can find, it's a book. It's called Fasting. It's written by Jensen Franklin, who just completely blows it out of the water but makes it so practical. And I think he even has like a free resource on his website where you can go and you can download it for free, jensenfranklin.org forward slash fasting. And, but listen, I, I want us to take this seriously. It's not, again, it's not a religious thing. It starts tomorrow. So be pre, even today, be praying, God, what do you want me to fast? What do you want me to do? And, and there, you can see the card, how there's different things that you can fast and different things you can do. But listen, I'm telling you guys, as we do this together as a church, as we're in this together, I'm telling you, God's gonna move. God's gonna do something. God doesn't only move on the things that you ask for. He also moves when we're praying for other things, other people, other situations. God knows what you need and he will begin to move in your life on your behalf. Over the next couple of weeks as we kind of build this series, um, next week I'm gonna be talking about the power of extravagant waste. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about it. Uh, the week after that, um, uh, we have Chantel Baker from Awaken who's gonna be here talking to us that day, and it's gonna be powerful. And, uh, and then the week after that is Heart for the House Sunday, 
where we're gonna come with faith and we're gonna come with, uh, with, with an offering, we're gonna come with giving and we're gonna, we're gonna give into and pour into the things that, that God's calling us to. We like to say this, so that we can and so that others may. And uh, just see what God does. My expectation is just to be obedient and see what God does in and through our lives. Miracles are coming, guys, I'm telling you. Can I pray for you? We stand up. <clears throat> this whole process, whether it's our fasting or whether it's on Heart for the House Sunday, it's what, we, what God puts on our heart to give on that day. Just understand, it's not a comparison thing. This isn't about equal giving. It's about equal, equal sacrifice. That applies to our fasting. I'm, I'm going to push myself and, 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 and what I feel like God's asked me to do. And, and that's the only thing that I would ask of our church is to just push yourself. It, when you fast, it should be something that you feel. doesn't mean you got to kill yourself. <laughs> but just, you know, just say, God, what, what's in my life right now that I could set apart for 21 days and then take that time and spend it with you? He'll let you know. And it, not, it doesn't have to be as hardcore as somebody else or, or whatever. Just let it be between what God has asked you to do and then have some people that you trust hold you accountable. It's going to be fantastic. Can you close your eyes? Put your hand on your heart for a second. God, we love you so much. You're so faithful. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a church that advances your kingdom on our knees. Father, that we would not just remember occasionally, God, in these moments of prayer and fasting, but God, let it become a, a, uh, a desperate necessity every single day for us. God, we wanna be people who hunger and thirst for your righteousness. We wanna be people, God, who are desperate for you. Father, as a church, would you help us to continue to create a platform and an environment where people can come and not be distracted by what religion would do and what, what it has done. But Lord, that we would create a space where people could come and be themselves and connect with a God that is filled with grace and love. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.